I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. And welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. I'm your producer and guest host, Dan Moyle, and I appreciate you being here and listening in. Today, we are talking about abuse in the news. Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, recently, as of this recording, Ghislaine Maxwell uh, was arrested not too long ago, and there's a documentary as well on Netflix about Jeffrey Epstein. So we're kind of unpacking this abuse in the news. And joining me today, Krista DeBoer, sexual assault therapist at DASIS, and Elizabeth Alderson, uh, therapist at DASIS as well. So Liz and Krista, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dan. Absolutely, Liz. So let's unpack this a little bit. So Jeffrey Epstein, I mean, if you don't know the name, like, you know, maybe you haven't been watching the news, but basically he's, a, he's this financier, whatever that means. I think it's a fancy term for a rich, you know, playboy or something like, but he has ties to celebrities, politicians, royalty. He was arrested last year on multiple disturbing charges. He died by suicide in jail, but there's questions about his life and crimes that still remain. And so, so a couple of points here. He was arrested in July 2019 on charges of sex trafficking and conspiracy to engage in sex trafficking. Uh, he died while in jail, and his death was officially ruled a suicide, but there's so many questions surrounding it. He was convicted as a sex offender uh, way back in the day and served 13 months in Palm Beach County Jail, had a high-profile social circle. Uh, in July 2020, so this year in July, his ex-girlfriend and longtime associate, Jelaine Maxwell, was arrested on charges relating to his sex trafficking operation. Whew, that's a lot. So this guy, man, seems to be not a good person. And we talk about sexual abuse all the time. So let's unpack a little bit what that, like, like who is this compared to the people that we work with? Liz, you want to chime in on Jeffrey Epstein for me? Yeah, so I like, when I think of any of these high-profile cases that are kind of coming up in our in our media and on our, our world, because it's very easy for us to then, like, target this one person is, like, that assailant, that person using power and control, but what about all these, like, you know, normal people that are in our community and kind of doing this? And so if we look back at that power and control, control wheel that we you know have talked about many times here on that pod on the podcast um jeffrey epstein he hits all these areas in power and control you know um he had a wonderful education history you know he was able to make a, a good name for himself in the finance community um i liked one of the articles that talked about that he marketed himself within this financer 
world to those who were worth more than $1 billion. Like to have the privilege to say, I'm not going to work with anyone. I'm going to market myself for people who have $1 billion or more mm. as a, as a net worth, you know, that's, that's seeking power control. That's having some kind of privilege and um, just some, just some backing behind him of saying like, I can do that because of my education history. I can do that because my business is running well, you know, that's power and control in the workplace. And then I think of the, um, some of the articles and um, documentaries and different things have talked about how he was able to operate out of the U.S. Virgin Islands for, to avoid some taxes in, you know, in, the, in the continental United States and in the United States. And so I think you know, that's, again, power and control that he's, at, he's able to manipulate even our tax system into a way that benefits him. So if he's doing this in his workplace, if he's doing this to personally gain money, then why wouldn't he use that same power and control to then manipulate people in this sexual abuse um, kind of way? Because yeah, he was, um, can, I mean, he pled guilty in that 2008. He pled guilty to um, prostitution with a minor. Like that's horrific and huge, you know? Yeah. And then he was really, he didn't even full, serve his full sentence. He was released several months early to do work release. So to go back to work in this huge finance world as a sex offender. And that probably many of his customers, you know, clients didn't see a problem in that, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, and then of course the 19, the 2019 charges of sex trafficking, um, and conspiracy to engage in sex trafficking. Again, um, a lot of those have come across as minors, you know, so they've talked about some are, you know, over the age of 18 and stuff, but that a lot of them were minors and that there was a lot of coercion and threats to, um, for them to get their friends to be involved as well, to recruit other young women um, to be a part of this community i guess you'd want to call it you know a part mm. of this trafficking scene you know and so that he was using young girls to you know solicit to get other young girls to join so our 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 long-standing host claudia pauls is also joining us today claudia you've been paying attention to the news jeffrey epstein what questions do you have for the team on on the the, the documentary the stories the you know, uh, Jelaine Maxwell, what questions do you have about all of this going on? Well, it brings, the first thing it brings to my mind is always, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. However, in this case, each time a new truth comes out, it is the, the strangest setup that I think um, could be taking place. And, and not just because of who he was and how he acted and how many, many young women, young girls whose lives he affected, but how money plays in and how much security and, and um, just access can be, money can provide. So there's that whole money aspect of things that, you know, really, the the people that we interact with on a daily basis don't have that kind of economic um, security for lack of a better word and then also flaunting um, different girls different women different parties different important people that he uh, spent time with and 
And it wasn't like, you know, he was, well, I mean, had a lot of secret hideaway kinds of things, but, you know, it's like, oh, it can't be that guy. That whole feeling of, oh, it couldn't be that guy. He's, he's a famous person. I've seen his picture in the paper. He does some good things. He's a, a business person, which I think plays into a lot of what goes on in our everyday life when, you know, the, the guy gets arrested next door and the neighbors say, oh my gosh, we're so surprised. He was just the nicest person. We couldn't believe that he would do these kinds of things. So um, how do you defend against this kind of stuff, I guess, is the biggest question. And how, how, how do you defend against this? That's a great question. Krista, you look very pensive. What? <laughs> I think it's a big question. And I think that... Um, I guess my go-to, the first thing that I thought about is you have to be able to know, first of all, what sexual abuse is, um, what it can look like, what signs there are, because to be able to identify and recognize that first, I think then helps, okay, there might be some warning signs here. If there's smoke, let me do some investigation work to see if there really is fire. And, um, and so we as a society haven't always been great about talking about sex, about talking about sexual abuse. Um, there's still a little bit of a stigma, I would say, and certainly for survivors, um, and I know in the Netflix documentary, they, they talked to quite a few survivors who, you know, would say we weren't really believed or, you know, there was still, even in the media, um, there's a lot of victim blaming. Um, and, and so I think when we look at those kinds of things, then we have to be able to look at the scope of things like power and control. Um, looking at some of the systems of how did this continue to happen? How did people continue to turn a blind eye to it? Because if I know that this is sexual abuse and this is what it looks like, okay, but then let's look at some of the surrounding things. How did this continue to exist for as long as it did? Um, then I think that that's part of it too. And maybe also letting um, as, as, soon to be survivors begin to to emerge from some things or reach out for help just the recognition that they need to come from a place that they realize people might not believe them um and i don't know how you you would educate someone or just say just you know kind of yes i believe you but maybe others are going to say oh we can't think that that person would act that way or that's not how he appears to you know, everyone who knows him, or this is such a surprise, are you sure? Um, and not stop, not let that get in the way of, of continuing to reach out for help just because the perpetrator may be someone who has a great upstanding kind of reputation, um, that your safety and you as a person are equally important or perhaps more important than that person's upstanding reputation in, in the community. Yeah, I think that's where the importance of organizations like DASIS come into play because, you know, when you look at organizations all across our world that say they're here to work with survivors of sexual abuse, 
you know, that's a place that I can go and share what's happened to me and hopefully, you know, think before doing that, that I'm going to be believed when I go and tell this place or the people maybe that work there. Um, because oftentimes when I talk to survivors, I am the first person they've told or our crisis hotline person is the first person they told because there was some confidence in them when they called that they knew when they said those words that we were not going to ask them a million questions about that. that we were going to say that I believe you and I'm here for you and how can I you know, help you go through this where you might have a great relationship with your friend or your family member or your partner or just a teacher, coach, whoever it may be in your life, but you necessarily can't guarantee that they're going to say, I believe you when you tell them, but it's somebody who's maybe powerful in your community. You know, maybe it's a local, you know, person of power. And so are they going to believe me when I tell them that this person that they trust did this to me, you know, and sometimes we don't have those facts. So to tell this anonymous being on a crisis line or we're at an organization, um, you know, their mission says that they're going to believe me. So I trust them a little more. Right. And another, another aspect of all of that with the famous people or whatever, um, I don't know, somehow you think that someone who has the ability to exert their power and control or to um, assault or abuse, sexually abuse another person, that that whole act to me just seems so heinous that that would, that would encompass every minute of their lives, that that would just be, that would be who and what they are. And then it's so amazing to watch someone just interact and be like, well, I go to work every day and I think about other things and I read the newspaper and I fix dinner and I have a normal life. And then there's this, this little dark part that also happens that that is not the over, you know, consuming everything that is the only thing I am. And so that's hard, hard to realize that there are some normal parts and interactions and um, life minutes for these perpetrators as well. And that's a hard thing to get over. Those who are then going to say, well, no, this is what has really happened. And this is what this person has done. So, um, organizations like DASIS are, are amazing and so wonderful that, that survivors have somewhere to go and trained wonderful people to talk with and, and help getting out of these situations, regardless of, oh, well, usually he's nice or, you know, it's just a little bit of it, but no, 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 no. And being able to um, help where it's needed is just so wonderful. So I, I would throw out a question here and I hope this doesn't sound insensitive to anyone who was ever in a relationship with someone like a Jeffrey Epstein who doesn't, doesn't realize that they're in that relationship with them. But I look at Ghislaine Maxwell and all of the photos you see her in with him. And I know there's a tweet from the guy from um, Yashar Ali that says that there's a memo to the court saying she didn't have contact with him for more than a decade. So maybe they weren't close. Maybe they were back in years ago, but I still want to go back to how, how did she not know? She claims she didn't know. She claims that she had nothing to do with this. How, how is that? Like, does anybody have an answer on how that would even be possible? Power of Other than it's part of what was that? Sorry. The power of manipulation. 
you know, that that oftentimes uh, this isn't, you know, an excuse for her because maybe she didn't know it, maybe she didn't. Um, I'm not her, so I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's the, the art of being a perpetrator of violence is that they're kind of like a magician or um, I forget the term that magicians use now for like the sleight of hand kind of stuff. But, you know, I distract and you're happy over here, you know, on my left so that you never see what I'm doing with my right hand when I'm slipping, you know, you know, and so maybe she was at the parties, maybe she was on the airplane rides, maybe she was at the different homes and stuff. But if you were being so entertained by, again, all of his wealth, all of his money, the people that he knew, you know, and you were just all of those things being so distracted, you would never know what was going on in the other room, you know? And so, I mean, part of it, that is, is just that that art of manipulation and um, not seeing what's going on the other way. So someone in her shoes could also, in theory, be a victim then and not realize it. So that tells me not to maybe be so quick to judge and let the, you know, the system play it out and investigate and everything. And I think of when we look at survivors of human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, that that trauma piece is so ingrained in them and that they learn from a very early age that like it's survival at its core and they'll do anything to survive, that oftentimes they will comply, you know, with the person who's doing the trafficking because there are threats on their life. And so they're not proud of the actions that they're doing, but they'd rather live, you know? And so I think we've heard that on the sex trafficking um, kind of arena with um, victims who have helped recruit other people into different um, homes or um, just trafficking rings. And they feel that guilt and shame about recruiting other members. But then at the same time, they're able to internally justify it because they were able to stay alive because of it. Or maybe there was a reward because of it. They got to eat more food that day or they got to keep more money or they got to see their own children that, you know, there's, it's such a complex system. And I think we do often try, try to simplify it to say, you know, well, they must've known they're at fault. They're just as bad. We have no idea because none of us are her and none of us were in that situation that she was with. I think too, uh, maybe, and I think Claudia kind of mentioned this in the beginning, was the amount of powerful people with money that were involved. So to me, I don't know what kind of systems, it sounds a lot like a sex trafficking ring. So to me, it would make sense too. Like I could be afraid of all these other powerful people. What's, what can happen to me? So it's going to be easier to say that I don't know anything because the repercussions of that could be kind of severe. Or even to have that gut feeling of like, hmm, something doesn't feel right here. But because again, you know, Epstein's clients were all worth a billion dollars or more. You know, I'm not going to ask questions. They could ruin me right? That, mm -hmm. Again, that survival of the fittest. Maybe this doesn't feel right, but I'm not going to look into it because I've, I have to stay safe, you know? 
So true. I can't imagine like there's on one hand, there's this idea of a conspiracy theory that I love to chase down and say, this goes so deep, so wide. And so like, this could ruin elite society. On the other hand, it's like, that just seems so far fetched. I don't know where to land on that. I mean, does this touch every president we've had in the last in modern history? Does this touch royalty in England? Does this touch the Hollywood elite to, to New York and Broadway? Is it like, what is this? Anybody have any thoughts on that craziness? Other than I would hope it's not true. Um, yeah. But people nowadays, I mean, just the amount of money and travel abilities and um, just life in general, aside from the virus, but just the, the sheer amount of money that some people have and the way they can live their lives is so vastly different in the past just 20 years even than it was prior to that. So you got to hope that if things were more difficult, perhaps they were safer. I don't know. All right. Well, and, we, and this is all obviously national news, international news, but what it comes down to is the, the local experience and this kind of thing, unfortunately, sadly, frustratingly, does happen around us. And so DASIS in particular in our area and other organizations across the country are the grassroots, feet on the ground, warriors taking this on. So, you know, Krista and Liz, thank you for what you do. Um, Claudia, thank you for hosting a great show every, every week that you do and, and spreading the word. Um, for those listening, if you find yourself surrounded by this in any way, touched by this in any way, trafficking, abuse, uh, rape, domestic abuse, anything, please, please reach out to your local folks. Uh, if you're in our area or if you just want to talk, if you're not in our area, 1-800-828-2023, uh, dasasmi.org is our website. So uh, there, there is hope out there for you. There is help out there for you. So please be aware of that. Ladies, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, very current event conversation. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.